Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. If you will, turn with me to 1 John, 1 John 5 and 9. 1 John 5 and 9. Not very long, but relevant. Thank you, Lord. God, thank you for always being faithful and always being so, so loving, so loving and so kind. You know, there's nothing more comforting to know than you're in, that you're in the will of God for your life. That you're in the will of God, and we're so thankful for that. You ever have God speak to you right before something happens, and it never affected you because you had a sure word from God? I pray that that happens today. I pray that it, that happens today. First John chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. It says, um, This is the passage which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin someone say all sin he cleanses us from all sin if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just. In other words, he's going to keep his promise. And he will justify you by your faith to cleanse us all from unrighteousness, from the very thing that weighs us down. There are some things that weigh us down that stop us from progressing, moving forward, and stop us from moving in God's will. And this is what the writer's trying to tell us. He's trying to tell us, listen, God is light. And when you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, it cleanses us from everything. But you have to walk in the light. You have to walk towards the light. If you were in a dark cave or you were in a pinned in a dark place, what's the first thing you look to? If the walls caved in, if the entrance was, was closed, what do we all look for in a dark place? We look for light. And then what do we do when we find the light? We move towards the light. No matter what, if you'll walk towards the light, live in the light, and if in those moments you fail, God says, listen, I've got your back. I've got your back. God is so merciful. He's so kind. Let's just ask him to bless it one more time. Lord, bless this word. Bless this morning. Bless this moment. Bless my mind, bless our spirit, bless us, God, and this food we're about to eat. 
this spiritual food, God. We thank you for this breakfast this morning, God, your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give God a hand clap. Just give him a hand clap. Thank you. You can be seated this Sunday morning. Thank you all. Y'all are so loving, so kind, so encouraging. I love you guys so much. Even when we mess up, you smile at us and love on us. Even when we're not perfect, you guys just still, and I just, I don't know. It's a, it's a God thing. It's a call. And um, we're so thankful for all of you. So thankful for all of you. I, um, I, know, I know this in our human nature. Most people are constantly thinking of the past. Most people. Whether they intend to or not, they have a tendency to think about things that happened in the past. Uh, maybe an event, maybe an incident, uh, maybe a past relationship, past hurts. And, and everybody reflects on the past to try to protect themselves from, from any hurt in the future. It's just human nature. It's human nature. But, but sometimes, sometimes we can... We can think about the past so much that we hardly ever get to accomplish what God has for us in the future. It restricts us. It stops us. And, and even though you're walking forward at times, you will never reach your full potential unless you have learned how to trust again, love again, for completely forgive again, and completely let go. And, and not only that, but in some cases, you have to learn how to forgive because uh, I've almost made that towards someone else. But in most cases, I'm going to say, you have to learn how to forgive yourself. To learn how to forgive yourself. Learn how to look and say to yourself, you know what, that's okay. I, I fell down, I failed, I may have said the wrong words, or I may have done the wrong thing. But you know what, God forgive me. Lord forgive me. And, and, and continue to walk. Now, if you were to say to somebody, I'm sorry, but kept doing the same thing, they wouldn't forgive you. You would just irritate them. Well, what makes us think that God is any different from that? When we say, God, I'm sorry, I mean, God expects us to change our actions, right? So, so in this world, we are constantly looking for hope. I think we're all looking for hope. I think we all want something better out of life. I think that God really wants to bless us we talked about this last sunday but let's face it we all have a past that we need to forget about everyone has a past everyone has a past you define past all you want to you can define it however you choose to but all of us have a past and i don't think that there's one person in this building that can stand up here um i wanted to say debt free but Jesus has forgiven all of our debts, right? But I would rather say um, what Jesus told all of those that were standing around the woman who committed the act of adultery. He said, you are, that are without sin cast the first stone. I don't think anybody can point the finger in the building today without three more fingers pointing back at them. I think that everyone has been in a position where they know uh, you listen, I've been through some things, I've experienced some things, and, and the person who's forgiven much, it's that person who loves much. If you want to know why I'm more, I, I love working with all kinds of people, and, and I don't judge everybody for 
no matter what their failure was, no matter what the sin was, because I I recognize I've had some pretty big stuff in my life at one time too. I've had some big faults in my life, and I realize that God's forgiven me, and God's given me a second chance. So when I see your problems, I think to myself, that's nothing compared to what I went through. God, move on. Lord, give them the grace to move on. God, give them the strength to get back up. Let them see that it's not that bad. Let them know everything's okay. Let them know it's not over. It's okay. Because we all need to hear that. We all need to understand that. You haven't done something so bad that God wants to forget about you or God wants to deny you or God wants to abandon you. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nor height, nor depth, no width, nothing. No principalities, no angels, nothing can separate you from God's love. Nothing can separate you from God's love. But we forget this. We forget it a lot. We forget it a lot. And what we really need isn't just a change of a, of a moment in our mind. We don't just need a, another, another self-help suggestion. What we need is a born-again experience. We need a born-again experience. We need to completely change, and you have to completely understand, I am changed. I am different. I am not the same person. Being born again as a believer allows us to leave the past in God's hands. Instead of constantly saying, I am sorry for the same thing over and over and over, at some point you have to be determined that you must be born again. Now I'm going to, this is up for debate. Please don't argue with me or please don't disagree with me right now. If you want to email me, you can. Well, don't do that. I hate those emails. Oh my gosh, I've had some terrible emails throughout the years. I'm like, oh, God, it's them again. Somebody else read this. I'm going to say something to you, and I want you to understand it, and I'm going to, I'm going to do a study on this to help you understand this. Being saved, biblically, according to the Bible, theologically, being saved, that word, being saved, it is not the same thing as the words born again twice the word born again is in the scripture John 3 and in 1st Peter and there are two different descriptions I believe when you come to Christ and you confess your sin that we are saved from that sin and I believe that if by faith you've been forgiven, you have faith to go further, that the Spirit of Christ begins to work in your life and you start the born-again process. It is possible. It is possible for people to experience the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ is always active at every level of faith. In fact, you could not experience grace without His Spirit. But a one-time experience coming to the altar 
one time and feeling the love of God and feeling the forgiveness of God it does not solve and give you grace hear me out it does not in that moment God does miracles I've seen God deliver yes he can deliver I've seen it happen I've seen God do instant deliverances from from you name it alcohol drugs nicotine whatever I've seen God instantly deliver for some people they get an, an experience and it changes their life and God does give them grace but for most people I've seen throughout the year they've ne- throughout the years they've never grabbed a hold of the full revelation that God wants to see them born again of water and of the spirit Jesus even told them except you be born again of water and of the spirit he wasn't talking about your natural birth from your mother's womb he was talking about a water birth from the church's womb which is water baptism and he was talking about being born again of the spirit baptism which all the disciples happened to have and get on the day of pentecost not happened to have but were destined to have by the promise of god and i know there is no particular order in how this all happens but i do know that there are so many people and this is what i'm trying to tell you there are so many people that only come to the cross but never go through a burial and a resurrection process. Going through the cross, going through the burial, which is water baptism, going through the resurrection, which is the Spirit of Christ coming inside of you, resurrecting your old nature, giving you a new nature, is the born-again experience, and walking in the light is what it takes. It enables you to walk in the light, not just towards the light. There's a difference. When you're walking in light, you're walking with enlightenment from the Spirit of God and the Word of God. You're walking with another nature that you did not inherit just by working hard. You inherited it by the blood of Jesus. But there is a big difference between people who are constantly walking to the light from darkness and thank God for the cross because the cross is the in this dark world the cross is the is the one but we have so many issues and problems in the church still from people who can't get away from their past and their past nature and they wonder where is god This is what happens, and this is why when new Christians come in and they get saved, right? They get saved. They come to the cross. They get saved. I believe that they are saved. But listen, God didn't want them just to be saved for the moment and saved because what's uh, is saved for an afternoon. God wanted them to walk in salvation, walk in power, walk in authority. The, the, the problem with the world's theology on religion and the deception is this, is that all you need to do is simply make just a confession and the rest of it is done. You and I both know that that isn't the fact, but no one's 
talking about it because we're afraid to ruffle religious feathers. We're afraid to con contradict every other preacher, all the televangelists, and everyone else. What's happening is before these people can ever be born again, they are aborted in the process. And we're not seeing them walk and they don't really get the full revelation that God really does have their back. How do you know God has your back? Here's how you know. Number one, if you give God your past, you'll have a future. Before you can ever let God have your back, you have to give him your past. That past has to be done away with. You know where that is implemented? You know where that's implemented? At water baptism. Read it. It is, the, it is the act of God. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin. But the scripture says, for the remission of those sins. In other words, to in the eyes of God, to have everything from your past, your nature, your records, they're forgiven at the cross. God forgives you. But in the modus operandi that God has chosen, according to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, most people can't lose their themselves from the past because they're still alive in their old nature and they still have a conscience towards things that they've done. But this is where, yes, being water baptized is more than just getting wet. It is a supernatural act. Read the Bible when it says... Eight souls were saved by water. In the same manner, so does water baptism, saves us and gives us a clear conscience towards God. That's what the Bible says. In Luke chapter 24, he sat with his disciples and he told them all. He said, let it, let it be. And so it was that Christ is, is going to be crucified and he was going to raise, be raised again on the third day. That remission of sins, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name beginning at Jerusalem. What do they do in Jerusalem? They preach Christ and they water baptize people. But they recognize remission of sins was actually referring to water baptism. It was, it was, it was synonymous. It was, it was 3,000 souls that were added that day. They were all baptized. 3,000 people. 3,000 people. Why? Because God wanted them to go through a born-again experience. The only people who can remember their water baptism can testify to this. When I was water baptized, I remember feeling in my conscience I had a past. I was forgiven. I got saved. I came to an altar, but there was something that still needed to happen in my life. And one of those things was I needed my conscience to be clear. I needed something to happen to transform me. I needed to know for sure. And when I went down in that watery grave, I felt the past leave me. In my nature, I always felt, I wasn't raised in church, right? I was raised in a nightclub. I was raised, I wasn't raised like some people. When I was in high school, I had to carry a gun. I, yeah, because I had gang members after me. And I, I mean, listen, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't raised in church. 
I remember having to watch my back because I had some crazy friends and they did stupid things and we all looked like each other. Because we all got the same haircut. And I, I just can't believe it. I just, you know, we just did some things and I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it at all. I remember having to carry a gun one time because somebody wanted to shoot at us. You know how stupid that sounds, but it was true. So when I grew up, and I got married and I came back to Victoria, I always had this little thing, like I felt like somebody was behind me. I felt like somebody, I always had to turn around and watch my back. I just felt it, I felt a spirit. It was a spirit that was messing with me and taunting me. It was taunting me, it was telling me, you did something wrong, somebody's gonna come, they're gonna recognize you, they're gonna see you. But when somebody came and preached Jesus to me, and I had a Bible study, and they showed me about salvation, coming to the cross, and they talked to me about being born again of water and of the Spirit. See, nobody wants to talk about this because it's so contrary to our belief system. But can I encourage you? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Don't build a doctrine off of one scripture. John 3 and 16 is just one scripture. Read the rest of it. Remember, men divided the Bible into chapters and verses. But when those letters were written, they were written as a whole book. And you've got to read the whole thing from beginning to end to get all of it. And there's a lot of things that were said in there that we don't include, we extract to fit our conscience. When I went down to that watery grave, I'll never forget. It was a God thing. Something happens in the eyes of God when you take on the commitment to walk after Him and to take on His name. Something happens in heaven's eyes where you are free from the past. And I remember, in the, I remember this coming out of there. I didn't recognize it. I felt God's presence when I did it. Well, quite honestly, I didn't feel anything like, I, I think I felt God's presence because I felt good about it. But, but the water was so cold when I got baptized, I couldn't feel hardly anything. I mean, did you get baptized in a warm baptistry? My, my, man, I got baptized in a Mexican church, and it was cold, cold water. No heaters, nothing, nothing, man. We went down, I was shocked, right? But a couple of days later, the next day, I remember this. I remember walking and I told my wife I said it's gone she said what's gone I said that feeling like somebody's walking behind me I said it's gone babe I said I don't have it anymore I feel I have been I, I got delivered from that that whatever it was I, and I, I'm telling you I used to walk and I think to my I even tried looking back one time to see if it'd come back it never came back it never came back God would have your back if you give him your past. And he'll give you and you'll have a future. If you commit to him and you are doing this, but there's more to it. The one area the devil and your critics will attack is your past. This is why you have to know that it's under the blood. 
You have to know that it is under the blood. It's buried with that old man. When hell tries to come at you, or people try to come at you, what you need to do is direct them to a watery grave and tell them, my past is gone. I'm not the man I used to be. That man is buried. That old man is buried. See, that's faith in the death of Christ. That's the faith in the death of Christ. We have faith in the cross and the crucifixion of Christ. We have faith in the resurrection of Christ. We need a revelation in the faith in the death of Christ. So when we're buried with him in baptism, our conscience is cleared and we're able to move forward. And because we know in the spirit, So, so anyhow, there we go. So anyhow, that's what I'm talking about. Read Romans 5, 8 through 9. Romans 5, 8 through 9 says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have not been, uh, therefore we have now been justified by his blood much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. We've been saved. We've been justified by the blood. I want to see more water baptisms. I don't think people get it. I know they don't get it because if everyone got it, they wouldn't hesitate when they start believing in Christ. They wouldn't hesitate to get water baptized with that faith because it is a mode of operation in the spirit that you're not just getting wet. You are bearing your past for a clear conscience towards God, and you're taking on the name of Jesus. But the blood is applied there. The blood is applied there. You're going into the watery grave, but you're being covered by the blood. Somebody, thank you. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you, it's, it's a fact. And, and so you'll see, the scripture says, we have a forgiven past and a hopeful future. When Jesus steps in, no one can accuse you. No one can point the finger at you and say, hey, you know, I remember you, and I remember what you used to do. I remember how you used to be. With, and you won't respond to that when your conscience is cleared and you know that you've been buried in Christ Jesus. You're not the same person. And when Jesus steps in, not even the devil can accuse you because everything he was using to taunt you is gone. Everything he was using to taunt you. Now, here's another scripture. John 8 and 10 and 11 says this. This is the woman Jesus stepped up and said to her that was caught in the act of adultery, woman, where are they? Speaking of all the elders and all, the, and all of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all the religious people stepped into her life. They brought her to Jesus. They said this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now I'm going to show you the power of Christ, what and how easy it is in the simple moment when he just speaks the word. Watch this. Now, this is before the grace dispensation. Remember this. This is before he had been crucified, 
buried and resurrected. So he established everything in his own authority when he walked in the earth and didn't stick to what he had told. He just forgave in the moment. And you can be forgiven in any moment. But listen how he cleared her. He said, women, he said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Watch this. He forgave her and said, neither do I condemn you. Now, for all of anybody that tells you that the one time you come to the altar, if you ask for forgiveness, you can go and live however you want to after that point. Read them this scripture right here. Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. That's what Jesus said. In that moment, he cleared her conscience. But you see, he had to tell her, I don't condemn you. But you see, whenever you are walking in Christ, the Holy Ghost refer, actually confirm, confirms it and it actually uh, gives you some peace and tells you in your spirit, I don't condemn you either. And he tells you the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the same Spirit that was in Christ is in you. Am I right? How many of you got the Holy Ghost? How many of you got the Spirit of God working in your life? The same Spirit that was in Jesus is saying the same thing. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't say keep on doing it. That's what people have a problem with. Then the reason why they keep doing it is because they have an old nature that they're dealing with. And the reason they don't have faith to deal with the old nature is because that old nature has not been baptized and buried in the water. I'm telling you, there's faith connected to this process. Does this make sense? Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Number two, the longer you hold on to the past, the longer you delay your future. The longer you hold on to your past, the longer you delay your future. <laughs> Some people never get it their entire life because they are weakened by past experiences or failures and they hold on to regrets or they hold on to unforgiveness or they hold on to something that anchors them down. It's an old ball and chain. It's an old ball and chain just connected to their feet, to their ankles, and they can't move forward. Here's something to think about. Why do you think... God waited to use Moses until he was 80 years old. You ever think about that? Why? Why God waited to use Moses? Now, we can probably analyze that till we're, till we're weary, but the truth is I thought about this, and I want to just kind of convey a thought to you based on what the Scripture says. Remember when Moses was young, he killed that young man. He killed that, that well, whether he was old or young, I don't know. But I know Moses was young. And he killed the Egyptians, Egyptian soldier, remember that? He killed the Egyptian soldier. And then he said, this thing is known because somebody came up to him and said, hey, you, you're the one who killed the, 
the, the, the Egyptian, and he said, now people know about this, and he fled. He fled for his life. He fled out of condemnation. He fled out of regret. He just, he ran for his life. He was ashamed of what he did, and he went. And then years later, at the age of 80, years later, in his older age, the Spirit of God shows up in a burning bush. And the Spirit of God in Exodus 3 and 11 says this. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Because he told him, I've got an assignment for you. I have an assignment. I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to go and set my people free. And when he talked to him, he, when God spoke to him, he replied back and said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? When he was young and he had all this vigor, he was so excited, he took matters into his own hands. But now he's, he's kind of backing away and he's kind of saying, You know, who am I? He lost his identity. He lost it completely, guys. He lost everything about that faith that he had. And then he goes, <laughs> that I should bring out Egypt. And also he said it in Exodus 4 and 10. He said, then Moses said to the Lord, oh, again, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before, ne neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I can't even talk, God. I'm not even, I'm not the right person. I'm not him. Use somebody else. And he said, I will. I'll use Aaron to speak for you, but I'm still going to use you to go down there. And then he began to persuade him enough for he said, okay, I'm going to do it. I believe Moses, when he was found by God, he was so broken and so crippled from his past. He couldn't do it. He, that one incident, that one thing, it was like dominoes. I mean, it was like, like, a, like a pebble in a pond, a steel glass pond being dropped in the center. It just affected everything in his life. One act he could never get rid of. He fled over, hid over. One thing that's confident, educated. He was educated by Egyptians. He was young. He killed a man for, for what he thought was a righteous cause. So he had, he had conviction for a cause. Now when God found him, he couldn't even accept the challenge. Or he couldn't even accept the call. He said, who am I? that you should ask me to go over there. He felt he was so condemned, so broken. But you see, when you're broken and when you feel that you can't do things on your own, that's when God steps in and says, you're right, you can't, but I can do it through you. And God would rather use broken vessels, people who recognize they're broken, and come to God and he'll give them grace God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's what makes this system that God has created called grace so magnificent.
that when you come to God, he chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He uses the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. God chooses foolish things. God, listen, I'm not worthy. I can't do it. God already knows all that stuff. But the moment you say, God, give me a second chance, God will give you a second chance. God will help you get to the place you need to get to. It's not all lost. The callings and the gift of God are without repentance. It's depending on you. How long are you going to sit there until you are blue in the face and sit there and live in regret? You have to get up from where you're at. You have to begin to shrug up your shoulders back. you got to wipe off the dust from your legs and your feet, and you have to stand up and say, I am forgiven. I'm not living in the past. I've got a bright future, and only God can judge me. Come on, somebody. Only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. Come on, Haley. Grace and mercy puts you all back together. But don't be a Moses and stand there your whole life. Listen, the blood of Jesus is more powerful than that. The blood of Jesus is more powerful. He can get rid of your past. He can get rid of everything that you've ever done in a moment when you ask him to forgive you. But if your conscience isn't cleared yet, let the Holy Ghost come and fix that so you don't keep picking it back up. I've had so many people come to me throughout the years and ask me to rebaptize them because they went back out and did things they shouldn't have done. The reason why they do that is because they need another clear conscience towards God. Now, I don't believe you have to do that, but if you know what, if that's what you want to do, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say no. If that's what you need, then we'll do it again. I've done it time and time again. That's what water baptism does. Gives you a clear conscience gets rid of your past now you ready stand to your feet and look at this watch this the devil can't taunt you with something you don't have the devil can't taunt you with something you don't have and there's one thing that Christians don't have what is it a past Christians don't have a past this is where hell comes in. I don't care if your past was last night or yesterday or the day before. The moment you say, God, forgive me, and make up in your mind that you're going to prove that, that, that asking of mercy by changing your actions and lining back up, you're going to feel the grace of God come into your life and begin to help you and begin to walk with you and begin to do that. And then everything that was chasing after you to manipulate your mind, to manipulate your actions, to make you feel like you got to look back at everything or you look at somebody and you can't look at them straight because you know that maybe you didn't measure up or maybe you didn't do the right thing, that will all go away. The moment you say to God, Lord, here I am, forgive me for everything and Lord, I lay it down at your feet and I'm not going to pick it back up again. The moment you start believing that everything that is in the past I've given to God and I'm not going to pick it up again and you're not going to allow yourself to be taunted and messed around with. Listen, you are a child of God. You've been set free. You have favor in your life. You have grace in your life and you are worthy of every blessing that God has for you. Let's just lift up our hands and thank Him for that this Sunday morning. Let's just lift up our hands and tell Him, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. 
thank you for your blessings and celebrating this one moment celebrating this one moment and tell them God I thank you for erasing my past I thank you dear God for erasing my past I thank you dear God for erasing my past in Jesus name we pray and somebody say amen mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.